Wakey, wakey. The magic starts a few days early. We are back for the B team. And I'm with my man, Bernard. Let's go. Let's go. Another big episode going in the magic round this week for the footy. It's been pumped. We had a great week of sports. UFC was on. A couple controversies in the NRL. Let's get discussing. Let's rip straight into it. We're going to start with our fan questions that we do each and every week. But before I do that, I just want to remind everyone, make sure you're following us on Instagram and on TikTok as well, because that is where we've been doing our yeah. best stuff, Bernard. And can I say, look, people are coming at us in the comments love on it. socials. I, I love it. I love discussion in the comments. But listen to the full podcast, guys. Always. Okay, because everyone's coming at us last week. We did our top five fullbacks. You know, where's Dylan Edwards? Where's Dylan Edwards? We love Dylan Edwards. In the full podcast, we give credit. We say Dylan Edwards is probably the most underrated fullback in the comp. Doesn't get the credit he deserves. But unfortunately, he doesn't make the top five. At least the B team's top five. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. Moral of the story, listen to the full podcast. And while you're doing that, give us a five-star rating as well. On whatever platform Deserving you to your podcast. We and then if you're following us on Insta, you can get involved with those questions. And we've got an absolute ripper from Shabzi1983. Trebojevic brothers or the Burgess brothers? Who you picking, boys? Now, are we talking a six-man tag match here? Or are we talking <laughs> like just who would you so have? They'd have a combined weight of over 780 pounds. <laughs> nah, look, the Burgess brothers or the Trebojevic brothers, which, which brothers would you rather have in your team? I'm going to take the Burgess brothers just based off their accolades, what they've done. They've won South Comp together collectively, Sam Burgess being their main star, Tommy Turbo being... The main Burgess, bro- uh, the main Turbo brother, um, yeah. I'm going to go the Burgess brothers because, they, they, like I said, they've won comps. They've been a force in the middle for Souths. They're all gone their separate ways. One's been on SAS. I just think they've been more more dominant than than you know how that how the Trebojevic brothers have been for Manly. But they're in their infancy at Manly. At least the trio. I think if we, it's hard to argue with the premiership debate, but mm. if we're comparing just. The individual players, I have to go the Trebojevic brothers. Sam Burgess, one of the greatest forwards ever. Yeah. George, yeah, he was good. He's dropped off. Tom, his show flashes are brilliant. Tommy Turbo, one of the best individual seasons ever. Jake Trebojevic, Mr. Consistency. And now the new kid on the block, Burbo. Bur- Burbo. They haven't won the comp yet, but the two Trebojevic brothers, Jake and Tom, did it for New South Wales. They're two of their most important players. I have to go the Trebojevic brothers. It and is- I'm excited to see Benny Trebojevic now. It's going to be interesting, Burbo. You know anything about him? You're in Manly for no, a little bit. Yeah, younger than younger than I was. Played in, um, yeah, I think he was at SG Ball when I was over at Manly. But he uh, scoring two tries on the weekend. He did look good. Uh, late shift from, you know, he was play- named in the centres, went into the second row, scored two tries. It was good seeing the trio of them. They were all proud of him. It was, a- And he's just been announced. He's starting. Against the Broncos, he's, well. so he's kept so, his spot. Yeah. I like it from Manly. They've gone for a little bit of a shift. They had Parker and Harper there. They'll do a job. They'll do a job for you. But then it, it seemed like it took Harper getting absolutely rinsed by Sipitalakai. They they just didn't have that spark, you know. In, mm. a, in an era now in the NRL where you've got centers like Manu and Olam and Sipitalakai, you need a little bit of something. Well, they made the decision to part ways with Moses Suli, who was kind of like an attacking yep. weapon when they would put him into the centers and maybe shift Brad Parker just out last season. Just needed to lay off season. the KFC, but when he did, yeah. he was a bad, bad man. Yeah, when he got disciplined, and under Des, you have to get disciplined. But yeah, I think like they they've kind of they're getting it right, Manly, uh, and they they need to just build some momentum. They'll be a finals team, um, and I think they'll beat Brisbane next week in Magic Round at, I think so at home too. at Suncorp. I think so too. I think Tommy yeah. Turbo is due for an absolute ripper. That takes us to our podium. Mm-hmm. You guys know the drill already, but if you don't, this is where we give a gold medal 
a silver medal or a bronze medal to the player, team, whatever it is that just absolutely smashed it. And the participation goes to someone that just absolutely had a shocker and needs to pick up their game. Bernard, give me your bronze medal. My bronze medal, so the three points. No, the, the one point. The one. Yeah, we'll, we'll go in reverse order. Is Adam Reynolds getting one over South Sydney over the weekend? So he, he missed them in the first first round, I believe it was. He was out yeah, injured. He, was out, he had COVID, I think. Yeah, so he he came back. It was the talk of the week, or at least that game. And he just showed that South made the wrong decision, yeah, not keeping him at seven. He just wanted more years on his contract. He said he didn't care about the money. And he showed that you need a good seven, an organizer to lead you around the park. And that's what he's been doing for Brisbane. He's just been that that guy that can, under pressure, uh, you know, hold on to a game, grind that victory out. And I didn't think Brisbane were going to win that game, especially the way that how they've been very inconsistent this season. But he's been as long as he's been at seven, they're in contention to to win it a game at least in that borderline, you know, Definitely. eight to four teams. Definitely, here's one for you, Bernard. Maybe I'm thinking I've got my football hat on here, but mm-hmm. in football, traditionally, if you score against your former team. Mm-hmm. You don't celebrate. Rugby league's a little bit different because a lot of the players tend to also play for about four, five, yep. six clubs. So, you know, you're going to come up against your, someone like Peter Hiku, for example, who's played mm, against, Kieran he's played Florin. for, you know, they've played for half, they've played for half the league. But yeah. I always find it interesting. Like Adam Reynolds, for example, scores, yep. celebrates, you know, does the big celebration. Maybe it's the football. Maybe it's the football fan. You think it's disrespectful? Well, I'm just, I'm a fan of you score against no. your former club. What, what's your thoughts on that? I, Is it disrespectful I think or... Is it is it all good for you? We need more try celebrations in rugby league. We need more characters in the game. I like seeing the fox on Fox. Do you know what I mean? I like seeing Brandon Smith being a character doing a John Bernard K interview on TikTok. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and let, letting the letting them show their their characters because if I was a rugby league player, I'd be whipping out every WWE celebration. I've practiced it when I was a young kid to see if I if I was to get on the line. I'd be doing the you can't see me. I'd be doing everything. I like in the nines when they pull out the celebrations and it just looks like they're having a bit of fun. So just, so I, I love a celebration, but you're, you're scoring against your former club, Bernard. You're happy to celebrate. I'm celebrating. It doesn't matter. It's the same. It's 100%. all the same stuff. He here. probably had some emotion behind For it sure. too. Let no, he, he, he deserved it. He yeah. pulled out because South had a shocker. They're coming up in my participation, but my bronze medal is going to the Richmond Tigers. Big week for them. They're coming up against Collingwood, their arch rival, Bernard. These guys absolutely hate each other. And it was big because the GOAT, Mr. Clutch, has ice running in his veins. <laughs> Dusty Martin was back. He kicked two Good goals. To Tommy Lynch kicked six. They won by 27 points. And the Tigers are back. It was good to see. I, I went to a Tigers game when they versed probably one of the better teams. Oh, the man, they now, love the it over there. And, you know, it's good to see them kind of... I hope they string a few wins together now that, you know, Dusty's back. They can build some momentum. So... It'll be good to see. He'll spice some things up in the AFL. There was some big call-outs in the AFL. Like, why was Geelong not a, like a dollar a dollar eighty last week? That 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 was a sure thing for me. Like, I, I would have <laughs> jumped on straight it? on that. I didn't know because there was just too much indecisiveness in the media. But yeah, I think yeah, there's got to be a lot lot of a uh, lot of fun times now that Dusty's back. The media would jump back on him. Give me a silver medal, Bernard. Silver medal for me, we're going to go to the NBA. Al Horford having the game of his life for the Celtics, tying the series up at 2-2. I think, you know, he had a bit of an altercation there with Giannis, and that kind of set him off in the fourth quarter. So I think that's probably going to be maybe a turning point in that series because the game's game's tied now. They've got home court advantage going into the next game. So 
that series can kind of go either way. Where do you see that ending up? Oh, it's so tough. Like my my dark horse a few weeks ago, I said Celtics to win the East. I think whoever wins this series wins is going to win the Eastern yeah. Conference. You don't know. This series has been just, it's been going both ways. Bucks won the first game. You could see though for Giannis, it's getting tough. Like he's carrying this team. We all mm. know he's he's the free. He's the best player in the NBA, especially when it comes to finals time. But it's going to be tough, man. This Celtics team is so well coached and Horford, he said he took it seriously when Giannis stared him down yeah, and he just, yeah, he just yeah. went into beast mode. But now that series, all the series <laughs> are looking really good. Even Dallas Mavericks are putting up a fight. Yeah. Philly, all of a sudden, are right back in it now. See, um, I didn't see, you know, Joel coming back. He's wearing the face mask. He's had a couple of scares. Well, there's a little bit of controversy with that one because they did the, uh, you know, you, you're meant to come out before the game and say, like, you know, is he out? Is he questionable? And they came out and said that he was out. And they ended up playing with the mask. Yeah. And... He's making the difference. He's a big... Well, I, I would have counted them out if he had not come back. So, like, it's nice to see a lot of series kind of up in the air. You probably see Phoenix going on so. to the next round. I but think so. It's just... It's it's good to see a finals without LeBron being somewhat entertaining. You don't know which way it's going to go. Definitely. While we're on Embiid, do you think he got robbed of the MVP? Yeah, I do. I oh, do. Yeah. I think he... I, like, throughout the regular season, he's obviously been... You know, Philly's best. Uh, the addition of James Harden in the finals is, is just great for Philly overall. He's starting to step up a bit. Definitely. So, I know, like, we, we discount that. I do think Joel Embiid was probably the MVP this season. I think so. I don't know what it is about Joel Embiid, but the NBA is just... They don't want to give him an MVP, eh? He'll eventually, he'll eventually get one. He's too good of a player not to get an MVP. It's just... I think what hurts the NBA as well is when they announce these awards. Like, they surely just have to do it end of the regular season. But they've waited now yeah. midway through the playoffs when we've seen Denver get rolled and then Joel Embiid's come back and he's looking good. So that sways public opinion yeah. even more. I think the NBA, and they prefer to do it that way just so there's more buzz around the chat of who deserves MVP. Oh, common sense would say, yes, let's, you know... Just announce it at the end of the regular season because it's a regular season award. But because it drums up discussion every year about who's performing in the finals, they kind of prefer that way of doing it. At least it, it's all over the you know the NBA talk like or NBA news cycle. Well, I've crunched the numbers here comparing the two players' stats. Now, Joel Embiid, Philly finished fourth. Denver finished sixth. That's mm -hmm. important because remember that year that Russ got the MVP and no player outside the top four, I think, had ever won the MVP. So it's rare yeah, that... He had a big season. He had a big, He averaged a triple-double. Yeah. He deserved it that year. Jokic has played six games. Moyes played 74. Joel Embiid, bit injury-prone. That's mm -hmm. what's hurt him. He's always played 68. Points per game. Joel Embiid, more than any other player in the league, 30.6 points a game. The Joker, 27.1. Rebounds, the Joker pips him, 13.8 to 11.7. And then assists, that's what the Joker just has in his arsenal. He's, yeah, he's like a point guard. 7.9 to 4. Okay, yeah, it could go either way. My preference, maybe because I like Joel, I would have given him the MVP this year. I think I would have given him But well. let's move on. What is your silver medal? My silver medal goes to Charles Dubronx Oliveira. Now, he had a rough week. <coughs> I'm not excusing what he did. He missed weight. But can I just say, it is a little bit silly that for a non-title fight, mm. you get an extra pound allowance. So they fight for the 155 pounds. He, one and a half pounds over? he was half a pound over. So okay. he weighed in at 155.5. Yep. Now the limit for a title fight is 155. If this was a non-title fight, you get an extra pound. 
In my opinion, that's just silly. Mm. You either make all of them 155 or you make them all 156. Now, Charles has came back and said that he weighed in backstage on the digital scales and he was on weight. He's come out then on the proper scales and he's overweight. That's so a big, debar big debacle happened. Other, a lot of people going, oh, but, you know, he had an hour. Like, how didn't he lose it? You looked at his body, man. He looked like he was going to... His body just said, no yeah. mas. He, he's, he was done. But... What do you do in that hour? Do you just jump in a sauna you just and jump steam room in, and try and sweat all the excess You go into the car park, you throw five layers on, and you just do yo-yos. Yeah, that's painful. Did he do the full nude? I caught the caught the Wayne. He, I don't think he did go the full nude. Did they get the towel they out? They got the towel out and everything. He needed to do the DC, the Daniel Cormier, and just, yeah, hold, just on to, and yeah. hold on to the towel. But look, they stripped him of the title, and we all know Charles Oliveira is the real champ because he destroyed Justin Gaethje. And first well, round I, submission... I watched the fight. I thought it was like almost a kind of slugfest. They were going back and forth. There was a Gaethje few knockdowns well. yeah, both Gaethje ways. Yeah, started well, but it, that seems to be how every <coughs> Oliveira fight goes. Happened when he fought Chandler. It always happens. He gets dropped. He comes back, and then he just destroys him. He's got the best jujitsu I'm going to say in the UFC, and I don't know who in that division beats him. There's talk that Volkanovski, if he beats Max Holloway. Is gonna go up yeah, potentially. I don't want to see another Volk either. Max fight. Volk's uh, no only uh, like only reason is because Volkanovski's proved himself yeah, in that division, uh, and I don't think he needs to. Uh, he can just already make the step up. What what more does he need to do? Beat him again. That, what, it's what is clear it? that those two are, are miles above everyone else. I don't mind seeing them fight again because the first, sorry, the second fight was so close. But I'm not a fan of fighters coming up. And then what happens if he loses? We've then seen, same thing happened out of Sanya when he fought Yambukovic. Then we've seen your champ. He loses a little bit of credibility when I've just seen him get bashed. Stay no, in your no. division, clean it out a few times. Then when you've had seven, eight title defenses, then you go up and fight the lightweight champ. Because mm -hmm. I think stylistically, that's a bad matchup. Well, speaking of, you know, jumping up weight, Canelo Alvarez jumped up a bit of weight. He's another one. And, Canelo, I love you. You're my favorite boxer. Relax, man. Are you talking about fighting Usyk? Now, now you're giving fuel to the fire for Jake Paul knocking you out. Really, like I, I it was I, just following boxing loosely because boxing doesn't do a good enough job of creating an aura around fighters that the UFC does. People are now looking forward to UFC cards week in, week out, and boxing just doesn't have those stars we don't see that the it champion, create. We don't see the champions fight. I respect what Canelo did though. Canelo said. He said, I hold my head up high. I went and fought a guy that's much bigger than me. That Bivol's an animal. He's a light heavyweight. Canelo's a middleweight. And you got to respect him for that. He's making stuff happen at least. Like, no, he's beating people in his division. He's going up. That I don't mind. Whereas, I don't know, Volko, I think just... And then, and then speaking on that, uh, especially the UFC card, two fighters calling out Conor McGregor post-match. Now, Conor McGregor has, has lost his last two fights. Conor so, McGregor, like, that talks to how big of a star he is that even though he's losing, he hasn't even been that active and people are still calling him out because he's the money fight. Man, he has, he's won one fight in like five years, yeah. but he's still, hey, people know I fight like Oliveira wants to fight Conor, A, because he beat the shit out of him, but B, because money. it's a payday. Yeah. Chandler wants to fight McGregor. So I respect that. And he came out and said, yeah, I do want to fight Chandler. That'd be a sick fight. Michael Chandler's so entertaining and the UFC... Yeah, the UFC's in a good position at the moment. They are. They yeah. are. And, and ever, I, saw the, I saw there were some memes coming out. And it was the Seth Rollins when he cashed in, cashed in the money in the yeah. bank. And it was McGregor cashing it cashing in now to in. fight for this vacant title. But I don't think that's going to happen.
I got well, Dana would give him that fight, but yeah, like I said, it's just good to see UFC building stars, Tony Ferguson. Like people know him now. Yeah. They want to see him fight. You know, he got well, he his face kicked off. <laughs> that Poor was bastard. Bad. Gold medal time. Gold medal, I'm gonna go the Queensland Maroons for this round solely because New South Wales, like I said in previous episodes, they should go on a dynasty run with the talent that they have at the you know, the the selection that they can pick from. With most of the best players in the NRL, you take a top five of each position, most of them are New South Welshmen. Fine Pappenhausen going down injured this round. Latrell Mitchell probably out for origin. Cam Murray. Cam injured Murray well. injured. So their players are falling by the wayside. Queensland all of a sudden aren't looking too bad. They've their got a good spine. Well. They've got some pa- a pack that can match New South Wales packers. Probably just the outside backs that they lack. But now I think, you know, with the injuries to New South Wales, Queensland take the W for this round. And with Billy Slater at the helm, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. I don't think it's going to be an easy series for New South Wales. That's good seeing the Queensland team's competitive. And it makes for be- – we don't want to see – A boring origin. We don't want to see a yeah. boring whitewash origin. But mm. we also don't want to just see being forced to watch North Queensland versus Brisbane on a Friday night when they're coming, you know, 16th and 15th. Yeah. So it's good that they're competitive as well. It's a little – that's a little bit of something, something, you know, and the buzz for Magic Round is even more because those crazy Queenslanders can watch their team. They love their footy. My gold medal, Parramatta Eels. They've done it, Bernard. We've said it. They can win the comp. They've beaten Melbourne. They've yeah. beaten Penrith. I think Penrith are the best team in the comp, and Parramatta have shown mm-hmm. they can beat them. Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday, Parramatta can match Penrith. Parramatta can beat any team in the comp. They just have they have the side to do it. I like I like seeing Madison step up, yep. score scoring a try the king, there. He looks good. The king was just Mitch Moses cooking up a yeah. storm. But that's the thing. It's the NRL, and that's where it's at. And I'll probably go into it a bit later. It's just they can get touched up by the Cowboys one week and beat I say the best team in the comp, Penrith, another week. Now, I I, I didn't see Penrith losing that game. It was a big upset. So everyone's multis were been I say, ruined. They also had to go against probably the one of the worst calls I've ever seen right that before halftime, call, that Viliami yeah. kick out knock-on. That could have changed the whole yeah, game. It was good to and see. And you would have been hearing about that call getting ripped apart all week. But they bounced back. They showed heart. They went to Penrith, the area. All those crazy Penrith fans. It's not easy to win there. They did it. Para can win the comp. And it's now or never for them this year because all their players are leaving. Papa Lee's leaving. Yeah. Marnie's leaving. Campbell Gillard, I'm pretty sure, is leaving. So it's now or never for Parramatta, and aka the Liverpool, that'll give them that'll the that'll give them an, enough fuel in the tank for the season to say we're, we're Premiership contenders. Like I said, it's 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 Melbourne and Penrith and everyone else. Para on their day, you know, if we're talking a semi-final, they can knock out. Honorable one of those mention teams. as well, James Tedesco starting to cook up a little bit of a storm. Mm-hmm. Anyone that had him in Supercoach would have loved him. Roosters well, as well now just starting to, that spine's just starting to piece it together. The Titans are a mess, but. Slowly, slowly. The, the comp's interesting. There's yeah. two teams that you think will be in the grand final, but then you have Para and, in my opinion, the Roosters. Who knows with North Queensland? Who knows? A little bit I too early to tell. I still think they're not going to be there, but... It's good to see them playing good footy, comp. but it's, it's early. It's a great comp. It's yeah. a great comp. It's, it seems more competitive than it has been in the last couple seasons anyway. Participation time. Going to participation, the, the trophy you give to the kids that don't do too well. Yeah, but the better luck next time. Yeah. Try again. Okay. The New Zealand Warriors. Oof. Okay. Wowee. This is where the, the state of the NRL is at the moment. A team that loses 70-10 to 10 to the Melbourne Storm beat the Canberra Raiders by a field goal the next week 
and then lose to a Cronulla Sharks side who at one point in the game had 11 men on the field. Now, full credit goes to the Sharks. Scramble defence. I don't know how you win a game with 12 men on the field in, in, in current rugby league. And they were getting overlap tries as well. I don't know how that, that happens when that, you're a that's man just poor defense. Like That's poor defence. Like It's errors from New Ze- the Warriors. But... Like that, that's inexcusable. That is worse than getting bashed 70 to 10. Well, you took the words out of my mouth, Bernard. That at one stage being 13 against 11 and losing that game by 19 points (coughs) is worse than that loss where they got put 70 put on them. I can excuse that. They had a couple really bad injuries. That from the Warriors was pathetic. How does that happen, Bernard? I don't know. I don't know if it's an indictment on the club at the Warriors, they haven't been very successful for a long time. Since yeah. they had someone like Jimmy Maloney in the halves where they went on that kind of grand final run. Like that last, when they had two of us a check that first year, I think he won Dali M that year. Yeah. And they made the finals and it feels like, yeah, since then, they, the thing is you can attract players with the big money. Like they, they've got the cash. It's but the same they're with the, the sole club in New Zealand. They have such a big junior base to get from plus yeah. rugby. Like how they many, should be a firing club. How many juniors club. are there that uh, were born in New Zealand then moved to Australia? They should be. Yeah, you're right. They should be top eight every year. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think, I think Nathan Brown isn't the answer for their coach. They need to get a coach that's just going to change up the culture in New Zealand. Yeah. yeah look to recruit players, better their junior system because like, I would I would be embarrassed as a club to to lose a, to a team against eleven had 12, 12 men majority of the game like with Will Kennedy coming off, so yeah that that was embarrassing and that's a like we say yeah it's good to see Para up there competing with the likes of Penrith, but there's such a gap between those bottom teams yeah and maybe you know the top three four clubs at the moment so yeah very embarrassing that was embarrassing my participation is going to South Sydney. Now, you spoke about the game. Letting go of Adam Reynolds has got to be one of the worst decisions the team has made yep. that I can remember. And it's not like they let him go and he then signed the big lucrative, you know, $1.2 million contract. You go, wait, we can't compete with him. Mm. Apparently, he was on seven fifty, and he left and he's on eight hundred. <laughs> so, it's an extra fifty k. You tell me they couldn't find fifty k yeah. somewhere in that club to give him. He's a South junior. He's from Maroubra. Like, he is South he wanted to be a one-man through. club. He wanted to be. He yeah. wanted to stay there. All he wanted was an extra year. They wanted to give him one year. He wanted two. He wanted a bit of security. They didn't give him give it to him, and it's just been a slap. It, well, it's just yeah. been a slap in the face to them because I actually think Lockie Elias has done a good job. Cody looks lost without him. Maybe yeah. it's Wayne leaving as well. But that decision to let go of Adam Reynolds. I that could be the him. participation medal that, of the season. That's up there with the Bulldogs letting go of Damian Cook. Uh, then letting him go to South, a New South Wales, you know, hooker for Michael Leisha, you know, to be a 80-minute hooker. So like, like that's a one in recent memory I can remember. Um, but, yeah, I, I like if they were blooding a seven to come up and he was playing with Cody and uh, like Adam Reynolds throughout the last few seasons yeah. and they were prepping Like him. he was playing 14 yeah. and they knew he was going to slide straight in but there. But they didn't do that. And they said, no, we want to build, we want to build for the future. But they didn't prepare for the future. And Adam Reynolds has, like, as, as injury prone as he can be, Adam Reynolds, he's still a quality seven in the and comp. You don't, le- and he's there, and he lets Cody do his thing. He's that general. He's got the kicking game. He does all the the stuff that doesn't get noticed. And then you yeah. let Cody be the X factor half, line breaks, line break assist, try mm. assist. Cody looks lost without him, and they did it at the worst time, as you said. They they're taking a punt on Ilias, mm. who looks good, but it's a big jump up for him and the new coach as well. So the double whammy. They lose Wayne. Mm. 
They lose Adam Reynolds. Poor decision. Poor, that's management. Shocker. Poor decision from management. Shocker. And that wraps up our podium for the week. Bernard, we've been doing this. It's our most popular segment. Guys, you can catch this exclusively on TikTok. We get a lot of hate for it. We get a lot of love as well. It's time mm-hmm. for the starters. We've worked through almost every position in the NRL. This time, Bernard, it is time. Top five wingers in the NRL. Go Daniel Tupo on the wing for the Roosters. He's consistent. He's reliable. He can probably slot into the New South Wales Blues anytime. He's an aerial threat. I just think, yeah, I'd, I'd take him if I was any club, Daniel Tupo. He's, uh, he's just a great, great winger, and he's a permanent fixture at the Roosters. Mr. Consistency, he mm. gets slept on. Number four for me is Josh Adokar. Move to the Bulldogs. They're rebuilding. We were expecting that he was going to drop off a little bit as well, but he's still scoring tries. He's still the fastest man on planet Earth. And I think with the Bulldogs getting some more plays next year, he's going to get even better. The Fox is four. Three, the man that replaced the Fox at Melbourne is Xavier Coates. Again, what a player. Try scoring machine. Again, Melbourne, the masters at recruitment. First representative player that they've brought over in a long time. But Xavier Coates, for me, yeah, he, he's he's probably going to be the best winger in the comp by the time he's done at Melbourne Storm. So he's a freak. He's got the pace. He's a, try, he's a finisher. So Xavier Coates is three for me. It's one of the buys of the season from the Storm. Number two, this kid has come out of nowhere. It's Taylor May. Came in because Toto was injured. And he's just a miniature version of Brian Toto. Impossible to tackle. Can find the try line. He's just Brian Toto. Yeah. And he would be, he's the equal leading try scorer in the NRL. And he would be number one on this list if this guy didn't come back from injury. Brian Toto is number one. And why he's number one? Players will attest to this. They say they can't tackle him. He's one of the hardest wingers. Coming out of yardage. He makes big carries. He's a finisher. New South Wales winger for a reason. I like to say he's Matt, Matt, a reincarnation of Matt Utai, a pocket rocket. He's a freak. And, uh, yeah, he, he's the best winger in the comp. You could say he's not an aerial threat, but he does the job on the wing for the Brenners. Slotted Black straight into the side, scores a try in his game back, couple like having weeks off. Best winger in the comp. The wing is an interesting position, Bernard. It's one of those positions when you're a kid, you got shafted there if you were just skinny and they yeah. didn't really know where to put you. You're That's like, why I, I got like, put there in under eight. You're like lot. the goalkeeper when you're in the junior, yeah. you know, junior soccer. Yeah. You say, hey, look, we can't find a spot. Just go in goals. Nothing beats when you just get a, a world-class winger. You know, those once in a generational time. Who is the best winger? I'm putting you on the spot here. Who is the best winger of all time that you've seen? All time? Yep. Put you on the spot here. Israel Folau. Yeah. Now, you know, people don't like to bring up Israel because they didn't let him back into the NRL. But I, I'd like to say he, when he was at Melbourne, he was on the wing, quality wing. I know he's played fullback at the Wallabies. Uh, at Brisbane, again, freak, freak of nature, breaking tackles, could, could finish anywhere. That would kick to him as a last tackle option. He can get up there with the best of them. So much so he went to the AFL. So I think Israel Folau has, will go down. Like, Jarrell Yayi, for the short amount of time that he spent, was a great winger as well. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go I'm gonna go Israel Folau. Best winger for me, Semi Rajraja. Oh, he's a freak. Absolute freak. Yeah. Revolutionized the position. No one could tackle him. Length of the field tries. He was great in the air. Mm. I remember one game against the Bulldogs. He ran over James Graham. This was when James Graham was in his prime. No one could tackle yeah. semi the semi-trailer Raj Rajra. He, 
he was he's the best winger that I've ever seen and just changed the position. Change it when now wingers are almost like they're almost like an extra forward. That yeah. that that run well, out you of your see own a half. get out a get out set from Penrith, it's pretty much their wingers yeah. and centers get yeah, it's taking the Thailand carries out of their half. Yeah, even like Ravalawa, Mike Sivo, all these guys have come in because of Semi Rajraja. Yeah, that's a fair point. And, and on that point is like when we're going through the top five or our starters, is that the winger position has changed over the years. Yeah. Now they're they're doing so much getting out of your half. They're not just gone are the days weapons. of the uh, Luke Cavell yeah. type wingers. Now exactly. now they need to they need to be almost built like a forward. They need to help you get out of your own half. Great under the high ball. You don't want to be. A, it's not a position where you just shaft a kid and go. Yeah, just mm. just whack him on the wing. Yeah, look, uh, best wingers of all time. Like you've named a few. I like uh, Vinavalu as well. Ooh. I know like he he's yep. gone over to rugby, but my heart wanted to say hasn't. But it's Israel Folau for me. And you're going Semi Ranrandra. Some quality wingers we've seen in the past there ten are. years. There are, and that wraps up our starters. As I said, guys, make sure you're following that on our TikTok, the B Team Podcast. Bernard, it is time for the HIA. Lots of stuff to dissect, but we had a look at one thing that caught our eye. Mm-hmm. Channel 9, they've released, they've revealed, now these are all just speculative, but they revealed mm-hmm. the top paid payers in each position. Probably be fairly accurate. I think it's going to be accurate. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the highest paid player in each position, and we're going to say whether we think he's overpaid, underpaid, or just right. You ready? Hit me. Fullback, Kalen Ponga is the Highest paid fullback in the NRL. Ooh. He is on $1 million. Well, where are the Knights at the moment? So, in saying that, like, if we're going off current form, and does he deserve that amount right now? He's held to a high standard because of that amount. I'm saying no. There's better fullbacks I agree. that are earning less. So, that's a no from me. It's a no from me as well. I Great for a highlight reel, Kalen Ponga. I just don't know if he can steer a team. And... Looking at this season, I just don't think he really makes a team better. So he yeah. is and on that. For me. Like it, it's uh, it's tough because I like Kalen. I think if he's in any other team, he's firing as in any top team. If you know you slot him yep. into a Melbourne system or you know slot him in at Penrith, he, you know he's probably one of the better players in the comp because on individual skill. But like you like you'll see, we're just comparing, you know. Who are, who are currently the top paid players in the comp and if they're on they're deserving of it right now. And I don't think we're going to see him in a big team anytime no. soon because he's just re-signed with the Knights. 5'8", Cameron Munster, 950k. And he's going to get more because he's coming I, off contract. And, and that's the case with a, a lot of players that are in your, your top five halves or your top five fullbacks. Their market value is going to be a mil plus, easily. Cameron Munster on current form, how he's performing for Melbourne, He's going to get definitely more than 950 and he's definitely deserving. That That is a deserving amount, 100%. I'd even argue he's probably underpaid slightly. Yeah. I'd give a million dollars to Cameron Munster in career best form. As you know as well, he can play multiple positions. He can carry teams. Yep. Halfback, Daly Cherry Evans, 1.25 mil, followed and just slightly in front of Nathan Cleary is 1.2 mil. Both deserving of a million plus. Two of Agreed. the best halves in the comp, probably neck and neck, just because of, based on like recent success, you say clear is the better half for, sure. for me. But they're yeah, both deserving of a mil plus. I, I agree with you. I think Cleary deserves to be the highest paid player mm-hmm. in the NRL period. Yeah. And anyone that doesn't think that Cherry deserves a million dollars has obviously never watched him play. Yeah. Great kicking game. He's a leader, consistent. 
clutch as well. They both been holding holding manly attack together for the past you know ten years. This one is a little bit of a stinker. Hit me, Hooker, Josh Hodgson. Ooh, how much? Seven hundred and seventy-five k. Now I will just say. They obviously signed this when they just made the grand final, and he was the best hooker in the NRL. Well, Unfortunately, if, if, if now, you're signing Hodgson now, are you giving him more than seven hundred? No, no way. Because he's just no. yeah, you know, he's very well, he's coming off prone. two really yeah. bad injuries. We all know he's not worth that amount of money. But quality hooker, yeah, a great hooker. I would take a punt on him on the cheap, yeah. but I think that's an obvious one. There's better hookers in the comp at the moment for that sure. Are less injury prone. Happy Coruscant, Harry Grant. Happy and Harry probably you'd say deserve. Brandon Smith on the open market. So yeah, I don't think he's deserving of that amount. Back rower, interesting one. David Fafita, 975k. So just short of a million, Bernard. It's a lot of money. Supply and demand, the free market. Mm. That's why he got that amount. He's a quality. I think he's a quality player. I don't think the Titans have kind of figured out how to best use him. Uh, they're not doing the best at the yeah. moment. The Titans, attacking-wise, they're losing a lot of games. Uh, I'm going to say no, that he's not deserving of that amount uh, just because he's not a spine player. He doesn't have that much of an impact of the game. They like He needs to be getting involved a lot, having way more carries. If he was like maybe a Jason Talmalolo playing in the middle, mm. taking a lot of carries, having a, a significant impact on games, then maybe... But currently, and the way the Titans are going, no. I'm going to say he is, and I'm going to blame the Titans for, for he's, it's not even, he's not playing poorly. It's nah. just when someone's on that amount of money, you're expecting stupid numbers and tries every week. He's a freak because he scores tries like an outside back. And he just creates opportunities. But they, particularly this year, like who's in their spine? Yeah. One to nine. They've just like, they haven't been able to nail it. Super inexperienced. It's probably the worst spine in the comp. That hurts. If he was... Playing for any other team, I think they would have figured him out. So I'm going to say, and look, when the, you're the Titans, you got to pay a little bit over, generally. Always. But I would pay, if any, if the Bulldogs paid 975 for David Vita, I'd say fair enough. Yeah. Prop, Davida Pengai Jr., 920k. He's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Uh, I think he's had an impact on the Bulldogs. He's a quality, is he, is he back, back rower? You'd say prop yeah, forward. He yeah. can slot into the back row as well. I, I'm going to say, yes, he's deserving. Oh, I don't know. He's, what's, where's Payne Haas? Yeah, uh, well, Payne Haas wasn't even in the top five, which is so crazy. that's going to change. So Payne Haas has got to be, yeah. he's got to be number one for me. I'm going to say that's overs for it, to be it, to Payne Haas. But he is, is starting, he's starting to, we all know he can, he's a freak, but he's just always disciplined. He's a bit inconsistent. Mm. But that's a lot of money to be playing for someone that's just starting now to tough question to because oh, look, games props, together and starting to play really there's well. There's an argument to say, and we spoke about it last week. Props probably shouldn't be on the big mill. No, they don't have that that much of an impact on games. But I don't know. Tavita Pangai, the go forward he's been getting for the Bulldogs. Uh, you know, he was at Penrith. He, he knows what kind of success is like now. I'd say he's he's got to be around that number, at least the 800 plus mark. Lock. Jason Tamalolo, one million. The lock position's interesting because that's probably now become the way locks play. It's become like one of the. Mo- it's outside of the spine. A it's ball probably, playing. It's a probably ball your most. Forward. Yeah, it's probably your most important position. Yeah. I'm gonna say Tamalolo is worth one million dollars. Last year they were stuffing around with him. 
Peyton didn't want to burn him out, so he wasn't giving him minutes. Yeah. Man, this guy's an 80-minute player. Just let him off the leash and let him do his yeah, thing. Yeah, I think he's deserving. Again, has a has an impact on games for the Cowboys. Probably have the same impact on any other at any other club. Yeah. Uh, based on his go forward, so yeah, I'm I'm giving him a mil. Yeah. That, 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 I thought that was really interesting, and I also think let all the players' salaries come out. This is these are chats that we've got to have. I know they're worried yeah. about. Oh, you know, it's private. End of the day, we're fans. We pay money. This money then pays the players. It happens in every other sport. We all know what they're on. Why shouldn't it happen in the NRL? I agree with you. Like just just based on the fact that the blueprint for sports and and sports administration is in the US. Yeah, and they do it. What? Let's just let's just do it. Pull the bandaid off. Well said, Bernard. I like that one. Okay, couple big injuries to talk about. Mm-hmm. Touched on it a bit earlier. Touched on it a little yeah, bit earlier. Pappenhausen gone. Pappenhausen gone. Cameron Murray out as well. Well, I think. They initially diagnosed uh, Pappenhausen's injuries as, as a, a low-grade hamstring. I think he's done he was the gonna knee. going to do one to two. Yeah, he's done, I think, some uh, the PCL. Knee. Yeah. So he's going to be spending, uh, say, five to six weeks. going to be a tough rehab Who for him. Gets, does that all but confirm Nico Hines for the 14 spot? Another clinic yeah, by him it, on the weekend? It's going to be Nico Hines or Jack Wyden if yeah. he goes with who we went with last year. I think, you know, Freddie like kind of sticks with if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, I think, but I think, I think Hines has deserved Hines it, especially has got to be after, you know, how Cronulla performs. And performs-y. you know what as well, especially now where we, now that players can, you know, HIA, independent doctor, who's to say you're going to get through 80 minutes without Teddy yeah, or, or your down. six or your seven having to come off for 15 minutes. So I think or now, 10 in particularly, the bin or off yeah, particularly in a rep game, I think you need to have a utility there and I'd give it to Nico Hines. Fair enough. I agree with you there. Now, I want to jump into the Sharks game, talking to Nico Hines. The send-off. We've had a couple games now where there's been an early send-off. There was Will Kennedy getting sent off relatively early in the game. You probably would have written off the Sharks. Then Jesse Ramian getting 10 in the bin. Now, I don't know if you agree with me there. I thought Jesse Ramian's hit was a bit I worse. I thought it was worse, to be he honest. He cleaned yeah. him up. Aiken got copped the head shot, then hit the floor with his head. Yeah. He was he was. I knew he was coming off straight away. Never came back on. So you probably could have reversed the send-offs. I, I, a lot of, like, Phil Goulds come out and said, look, borderline 10 in the bin. It, it, it's, it's a one-year anniversary since the crackdown last year where they did that magic round. You know, everyone, Wait, was, getting, yeah. everyone was getting 10 in the bin and send-off for, have, getting, you know, scratching another player. So I, I think they're, they're in that period now where they're probably being a bit lasé with all these 10 in the bins. Like, I think Kennedy got it, it just a misstep. And it was, and it wasn't, and you look at it again, it wasn't yeah. even that bad. To send a player off in a game, you're almost guaranteeing. Now, it wasn't the case in this instance, but you're almost guaranteeing that that team is going to lose. Particularly early in the game. I agree with you. I thought Kennedy's was a case of, he, he's just been stepped. He sticks the lazy arm out. Now, when you slow everything down, it looks a lot worse than it actually is. But I thought that was 10 in the bin worthy. And yeah, I thought Jesse Ramian, shoulder charge directly to the head. Mm-hmm. That's a send off. Yeah, he'll be missing some games. But where's, where do you draw the line, Bernard, between what's a sin bin and what's a send-off? I, I just think you you should always be leaning to a 10 in the bin. In, like, worst case. Like, Lorden's was, okay, that was clear. This guy could have been in danger. You don't want another McKinnon incident. That's a send-off. They've been talking about, you know, uh, what risk is the player at, and that determines what a send-off is. I just think you lean more towards 10 in the bins, especially with high contact, because, you know, it just takes to be wrong-footed ones. How low does yeah. James Tedesco run into a tackle all the time? But you know, also, like, how 
you know, all these shoulder charges you're seeing with the player, like, come on, let's use common sense. The shoulder bounces off the ball and then hits someone in the head. Mm. That is not a sim bin. It's, like, it's not a send Put him on report. No. I'm happy with that. But I think a send-off is a, is a swinging arm, is dropping someone, is the Kyle Lawton... And you don't want you don't want the game to be touch footy where you're having drop offs. No. And you're always seeing teams playing with twelve players and it's just a clear advantage. You're not gonna be able to come back from that. But one thing you can guarantee with the NRL is they don't even know what it is. They're gonna flip flop. Yeah. They'll probably crack down and then halfway guarantee through the it. season someone will yeah. say, Wait, why don't we change it? Yeah, in ten rounds time there'll be definitely less send offs and only the bin. sport in the world that I can think of that changes their interpretation of rules midway through the season. Speaking of referees, a little moment that I actually really, really liked was Grant Atkins, mm -hmm. who, in my opinion, is the best referee out of all the refs. And he had a little, he had a little moment where play the ball, South play the ball, Herbie Farmworth went to jump on the ball. You just, it happened a couple times on the weekend. Yeah. He got it. There's a penalty. And Grant Atkins actually said, he goes, mate, I know. It's, it's a, a stupid, stupid rule. rule yeah. I, uh, now Fox tried to say, oh, he put his foot in his mouth. We were talking about players having a bit of personality. Let the refs show a little bit of personality. You know what I love about American sports? We always say we model, we idolize American sports. The refs aren't afraid to get dirty. You know, if there's a fight, they're pulling mm. players out. They're having those Give chats with the Give a stern talking to. I don't like when the refs just speak to players like they're at like the principal-student relationship. Yeah. Like, allow them to just have a good, honest chat. It's a shit rule, and he knows it. Yeah, Play he call, on, called it opinion. as is. Uh, well, then, like, maybe take a look at the rule, because uh, I think Gus called it on commentary, was saying, like, if he had taken off with the ball... It's play on because I, he, I didn't he even dived on it. Yeah, I, I thought maybe it was the Oz tag. You know, if one, the dummy two, half three. doesn't get there, it's it's fair play. The mark is square. He should be able to jump on the ball. It doesn't make any sense. But yeah, I, I think yeah, I, I would I would have a look at that rule. If we've changed heaps of rules in the past few <laughs> years, so that that one's got to go. All right, very quickly, Bernard. Before we get into our long shot, mm -hmm. Kieran Foran yes has signed with the Titans. Two years. I was just saying how they're spying. Yeah. Doesn't have any leaders. Good move. They said Josh uh, Schuster has, has kind of uh, pushed him out because he's yeah. been guaranteed a 5-8 spot. I think if he can stay injury-free, because that's what he, like we said, there's been a lot of journeymen in rugby league. He's been to the Bulldogs, the Parramatta Eels, the New Zealand Warriors, Manly twice, now the Gold Coast Tigers. They need someone with experience to steer them around and, and at a leader at the Gold Coast to say, this is how you win games. So I think in that aspect, it's a good signing. If he can stay injury free, that's, that's the, the only one. thing. That's yeah. that's the that's the, the big one. But they, that that spine it needs a leader, and they got it. And then in the boxing, Australian boxing is it's it's having a resurgence at the moment. And mm. one man that you could say is responsible that, for that is Paul Gallen. Yeah, love him or hate him, Bernard, he gets eyes on the sport, and he came out and said he wasn't happy with the guy that he's fighting. Yeah, and he walked out. Looked a little bit rehearsed. Looked like he was cutting a promo. But it one did. thing he did say, and I do rate it, is that. He gives the opportunity, you know, he has eyes on him. A lot of people want to see him get knocked out. Yeah. Some people like the G train, I'm one of them. But he gets eyes on the sport. And if you're someone fighting on his card, like a Harry Garside or Nikita Zoo, you benefit from having this guy. Are you a fan of these celebrity boxing, like your Paul Gallons, Jake Paul? Is it good for the sport? 100% it's good for the sport because, like you said, J Jake Paul's done more for boxing in the past three years than any other person has done in terms of promotion aspect. So if you can get eyes on the sport, which they struggle, is the promo side, getting to know who these fighters are. Like Paul Gallon's 100% right. Everyone brings, on that card He now, brings yeah. a rugby league audience over. That Like uh, the media around the weigh-ins, 
got more media attention than you know then some rugby he, league events. He said that it got there were more media at that way than there was at a grand final. Yeah, I like it. And you know what? It's not like Aaron from Geordie Shaw, who had an MMA career, said mm. he goes, "It's with all these wave of you know." What celebrities, whatever you want yeah, to call them, having a crack, boxing. influencer boxers, whatever you want to call them. It's not like they're stealing anything. Like it's not like they're getting a title shot. It's not like Jake Paul's fighting Canelo for a title. Then yeah. you can go, oh, this guy doesn't deserve it. He's fighting on a card. He's then improving everyone else around him. They're all getting paid because of it. It's play on. In my, I opinion. agree. I like it. Uh, and uh, I back Gallon for for having a chat. It, it takes two to tango. Both fighters should be promoting the fight. And eyes are on that. Card in Newcastle hey, on, tomorrow night purely because of Gallon. So, yep. yeah, uh, it's it's valid with what he said. All right, Benan, it is time for the long shot. What do you got for me this week? Now, this is a bit of a controversial one. It's not really a team's going to win or lose. I'm going to say, and it happens each year around this time, Magic Round will be shrouded with controversy by a referee decision, a shit bunker decision, and I think it's going to be, now we can clip this up, it's going to be... A send-off or a 10 in the bin that ruins a game and it's going to overshadow the event. Magic Round has gotten bigger and bigger every year. There's people flying in from all over the country. I think, and the way that things are going the past couple of weeks with send-offs and 10 in the bins, someone from a team over the weekend is going to get 10 in the bin, he's going to get sent off, it's going to ruin the game, and they're going to have a big call-out over it. The media will have say, okay, where are we drawing the line here? Because I said it's the one-year anniversary of the crackdown where the referees were just handing out 10 in the bins for absolutely no reason. For, for you know, for scratches, yeah, for little high shots one. here and there. So I, my long shot prediction is that there'll be a bit of controversy around a 10 in the bin or a send-off this week. That could almost be a sure thing. Yeah. My long shot is going to be Carlos Alcarez, the 19-year-old. I don't know if you watch Tennis yeah, Bernard, but he, French Open. He, he just won the Madrid Open. This kid's a freak. He's going to win a Grand Slam this year, I think. And he... He's a second favorite, so it's not really a long shot, but it's above $3. Get on Carlos yeah. Alcaraz. Spaniards, they were born on clay. That's where they do their best stuff. Uh, Rafa Nadal. There, yeah. He just looks like, he looks like a young Rafa. He beat Rafa on clay already. He beat mm -hmm. Novak Djokovic. He won the Madrid Open. And my long shot is that he is going to win the French Open, which starts next week. Yeah, coming up pretty quickly. It's, it's weird to see that Novak isn't really looking like being a favourite in any of these yeah, Grand Slams. Anyway, I know he's had some time off, yep. but he's he was world number one not that long. You know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. he, he's he was probably the favourite going into the Australian Open that he didn't play. And now all of a sudden, I don't know, is, does time off c carry that much weight in tennis? Well, he's one behind Rafa Nadal in all-time Grand Slams. Let's say Rafa wins the French Open. Who knows if Novak's going to be able to play at future Opens because of the, the anti-vax... Maybe he can't catch Rafa now. You're right. That time off could have hurt him a little bit. Who knows? But one thing I've learned, you never sleep on Novak. And you can't sleep also on this tipping race that we've had. We're going to post our tips. We need a bit of time to dissect. It's a big week it this week. Big week We're locked. Time. We're even. The loser has to. We finally decide. The loser has to get, what do you call it? A man, a manzillion? A man, a man, uh, yeah, like a Brazilian for a, a Brazilian male. for a male. Yeah. It's going to be very painful. We can, Any beauticians or anything out there that offer this and want to reach out, we'd be more than happy to do yeah, some stuff with you. Make a great TikTok. It'd make a fantastic TikTok. We're both on the equal amount of tips, so loser has to cop a manzillion. We're going to post our <laughs> tips on our Instagram. It's a huge week, Bernard. It's Magic Round. What's on this weekend for you? I might go up to Brisbane for the Friday night. I, I'm thinking about doing it. I'm definitely going to be in the Gold Coast on Saturday, uh, just floating around there, you know, doing some content stuff. But, yeah, I'm going to be watching the sport, be parked up, watching Magic Round. It's a great week of footy. 
I'll be watching most of the sports. Watching a bit of WWE. Backlash Lovely. just finished. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that. But yeah, no, so I'll be keen to, to, to sink my teeth into Magic Round. What are you up to? I enjoy I'm actually going to Melbourne. I'm going to Melbourne with the boys for a birthday. We probably should have just gone to Magic Round, but <laughs> Melbourne never disappoints. Going to catch a Tigers game against Hawthorne at the G. Big game. Be a big weekend as well. So if, if I'm a little bit dusty, I'm warning you in advance. That's why. No, but that's Bernard, my friend, it's been a pleasure. I hope you guys like a long podcast because that, that was a ripper. Happy Magic Round, everyone. See you next week. See you next week. Mm-hmm.